Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Uh, that's our number one super producer, Mr. Max Williams. Give him a hand. Don't give him a probe. You'll see what we're talking about. Uh, they call me Ben. Uh, Noel, you and I over the years have not just done Ridiculous History, but we've done another show called Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. It's true, Ben. And, you know, while... Uh, I don't think Max deserves the kind of probe that we may be talking about today. He is great for probing for for knowledge. He's a veritable font of trivia and uh, and wisdom. So mm-hmm. for that probe away, stay <laughs> away from uh, from from the other areas that might be probed by visitors from another world. Why do they get such a bad rap for touching people's butts all the time? I don't get it. Where does this come yeah. from? Yeah, it's uh, it's weird because if you look at the stories of alien abductions through the lens of folklore, they have a lot in common with stories of like earlier supernatural abductions, the fae or the the uh, fairies, right? The fair folk, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, Rip Van Winkle is basically a story of alien abduction with different stuff mad libbed in. As far as the occupation with nether regions, that's an interesting question. Sometimes it says more about the people who are telling the story of the abduction than it does about the aliens. gutter people. Yeah, because they've never been on record explaining their uh, perceived rationale. So maybe we should should hold judgment on them uh, until we hear directly from the source. But uh, I bring up stuff that I want you to know because over the years, you and me and our ride or die, uh, Mr. Matt Frederick, first of his name, uh, we have looked at any number of alleged ufo sightings and today for ridiculous history we thought we would flex our ufo muscles just a little bit and talk about 
a UFO crash that didn't just happen here in the U.S., didn't just happen in Texas. It is indeed considered the most famous UFO crash in the entire history of Texas. Yeah, and it's like it's like pre-1900s. It took place in April of 1897. I would consider this a historic uh, UFO incident. A cigar-shaped craft of some description was reportedly uh, seen crashing into a windmill in Aurora, which is a tiny little town just north of Fort Worth there in Texas. And over the years, it's almost taken on the stature of like a, a, a urban legend or a myth of some kind. It really is something that's sort of been carried over through generations through oral tradition. Uh, there are varying accounts of it that differ wildly uh, from, you know, an alien actually popped out of the craft and said, how do you do? To um, the idea of it uh, ending up dead as a result of the crash. And the uh, residents of the town purportedly holding its tattered, frail carcass aloft and carrying into the town for a proper Christian burial. Yeah. That's a weird Which one. is kind of, yeah, it seems kind of sweet. You know, it sounds like the people of the town, if that version of the story are true, were, you know, do it, doing what they thought was the right thing. Uh, we're going to dive into some reporting of the day, particularly E.E. E. Hayden, who was a reporter from the Dallas Morning News at the time. Um, but Maybe we we set the stage a little bit first because you pointed out something that should be very interesting to any budding UFOlogist in the crowd today. Would you ask most people who are not UFO heads themselves about the first major modern UFO incident? They'll probably tell you Roswell, New Mexico. And that's when uh, that was in July of 1947. We have an episode on that and stuff there, what you know. Uh, and we are pretty sure that we nailed down the actual, the, the most likely explanation for this one. Spoiler alert, uh, for a while, people were trying to say it was a weather balloon, but Uncle Sam kept changing its story and just made things worse and worse. But hold the phone, hold the spacecraft. Roswell was not the first UFO incident. Not not at all. Like the idea far predates this crash. Long, long before the uh, story of Roswell, we saw people from California and people from Texas who were talking about things falling from out of the sky. Yeah, and it was like they didn't have enough context probably to, to you know, because it just wasn't in the zeitgeist. I mean, there certainly was science fiction, you know, older, you know, classic pulpy kind of sci-fi novels. But it just the idea of a UFO crash or an alien abduction just wasn't in the public consciousness the same way as it was uh, after Barney and, and Betty Hill, you know, and that whole situation mm -hmm. uh, that you can hear mm -hmm. a lot about in um, Strange Arrivals, the fantastic podcast with uh, Aaron Mankey and, and Grim and Mild, hosted by the incredible Toby Ball, who you've heard on this very show, uh, that that really was the incident that kind of popularized the idea. And all of a sudden, the reports and sightings just like went through the roof. And you know, we actually had an episode on stuff they don't want you to know about a, a similar sighting um, that took place in New Mexico uh, from a guy named Lonnie Zamora, a very credible kind of work-a-day uh, law enforcement officer. And in some of the research we did for that episode, you find a lot of like um, – almost evangelical Christian explanations for these things, uh, kind of likening these visitors to, you know, angels or something like the Nephilim, these uh, giants from, you know, heaven that essentially are coming down to uh, 
wage war against Satan and all his, you know, evil doings and stuff. So, you know, it's interesting the way these kinds of things don't really start to kind of develop like a real clear narrative until many years later. So 1897, to your point, we've already had some reports in small towns in California and around Texas, uh, and all that was more than 50 years before Roswell. So it all starts with two fellows from Lodi, California, reporting an attempted abduction by three uh, strangers, um, you know, that were unfamiliar, described as alien strangers in 1896. Uh, that year, Colonel H.G. Shaw and Camille Spooner were traveling from Lodi to the Fresno Citrus Fair when they claimed to have come across three inhuman-looking beings, organisms, uh, and they were reportedly quite tall, around seven feet tall and super skinny. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, let's dive into this one just real quick before we get to Texas. This is a year before the Aurora incident. Uh, Colonel Shaw says that these aliens tried to abduct him and Spooner but they were saved because they were too heavy to carry. So essentially the three seven foot tall creatures run up and I guess, you know, try to grab them by their armpits or something. They go, Oh snap, no different gravity. And then they hightail it back to their ship and they leave. And, and Shaw writes about this in the evening mail. And he has, he has the weirdest statement. He says, I have a theory, which of course is only a theory that those we beheld were inhabitants of Mars who could have been sent to Earth for the purpose of securing one of its inhabitants. So I like that he, I like he, that he caveats this wild statement where he's like, okay, it's, it's only a theory, but I think they were from Mars. And also, if we could ask Shaw today, I'd be very interested in hearing how they tried to pick the guys up. Like, if they only needed one inhabitant, why didn't all three of them focus on picking up one earthling? Anyway. Yeah, and it just, come on, that sounds like a pretty poorly planned kidnapping, you know? Yeah. You're just going to grab them? You don't even have a van to throw them into? They're just on foot? Like, uh, yeah. yeah, this, this, this I, is I very savvy. I don't think they were the top brass of Mars, if that's, if that's the case. I don't think they were the brightest crayons in the intergalactic Crayola box. I agree. We jokingly, uh, when we refer to a lot of these things, it tends to seem like the ones that get spotted are like the, you know, the sightings of these UFOs are probably like rogue sort of dumb, dumb aliens that like, you know, didn't do a good job of like hiding their, or covering their tracks. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. I, I'm just thinking of this uh, SNL recurring yes. segment they do where it's like, you know, it's the three people in there and like two of them having like this wonderful experience when they get abducted. And then there's Kate McKinnon. She's like, oh, man, I must have gotten, like, the B team on mine. Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm thinking about when we're having this conversation right here. <laughs> Do check it out. Yes, that sketch the B is team, what, indeed. That's what I was thinking about as well. It's like, well, my experience was a little different, I suppose. Uh, it's maybe not fit for a family show, but uh, if you enjoy a good laugh, please do check it out. Kate McKinnon always kills it on Saturday Night Live. There's something interesting because there's a guy named John Callahan who was writing a book about this. You see him mentioned in a mental floss article called Seven Strange Tales from the Wild West by Kyla Cathy. And John Callahan tracks down other reports of UFO sightings in this area. And he is a great source for a lot of these descriptions, whether or not you think they're true, whether you think that it's all a hoax or whether you think 
aliens are real and for some reason just don't have the upper arm strength to abduct humans. That's that's on you. What we're saying is this was already kind of in the zeitgeist the year before this famous event in Aurora, Texas. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. Cement Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know. I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville, right? Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one, and that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I meant I said El Camino, <laughs> and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it so. Uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like, uh, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man, and funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. 
Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So the claim is that on the morning of April 15th, a bizarre-looking flying craft plummeted into town from the sky, and it hit the local windmill on the property of a very credible dude, one Judge J.S. Proctor, and then it broke away from the windmill and fell to the ground, destroyed his flower garden, uh, and no one knew what to make of it. Uh, Just for a side note, this happened about six years before Kitty Hawk and the Wright brothers made their first successful flight. So it's not as if this was a misidentified plane. Yeah, you don't get much more credible a name than Judge Proctor. That's <laughs> <Those are> like <laughs> right. two nominative determinism. Man. Isn't a Proctor kind of like a stern like taskmaster or someone that like oversees the test takings? Much like uh, the, the episode I was describing from something I want you to know, this is a very credible witness. And then you make a good point. I sort of led with the idea that this was early in the days of, of these UFO sightings, the very earliest of days. So it wasn't in the zeitgeist in the same way that it would have been after these really big high-profile events that made national news. But you're right. That had happened enough time where people were kind of like had heard about it, you know, enough to be like, what is that? But the question is, are they aliens? Are they from Mars? Are they angels? Whatever they might be. I don't think that was necessarily as entrenched as it would have been, you know, a generation later. A hundred percent, man. This is strange because people would have read newspapers of the time. They would have maybe known that some stuff was getting weird in California, but they wouldn't have had the language to hang their perspectives upon. They wouldn't have said UFO or flying disc. Uh, They ran to see this wreckage, all the local townspeople of Aurora. And this is, again, like we said at the top, this is where the stories start to diverge a little In one, they find the mangled and burned remains of whomever was piloting this craft. But even though it was burned, they could recognize the body was, quote, not of this world, world, world. And then an army officer comes from Fort Worth and he says, you know, this is definitely not a human. This is a body of an alien being, quite possibly, in my opinion, a Martian. They were very dead set on these being Martians. I'm not sure why. But uh, but maybe we go back to Hayden, the Dallas Morning News guy. Let's maybe get a report from the day. What do you think? You got a good old-timey voice? Oh, yeah, if I, if, if I might. Uh, let's see. I'm not going to. I'm just going to do an do a interpretive reading here. About six o'clock this morning, the early risers of Aurora were astonished at the sudden appearance of the airship. It sailed over the public square, and when it reached the north part of town, it collided with the tower of Judge Proctor's windmill and went into pieces with a terrific explosion. Kaboom! The pilot of the ship is supposed to have been the only one aboard, and while his remains were badly disfigured, enough of the original has been picked up to show that he was not an inhabitant of this world. Mm-hmm. That was a wildly uh, varying all over the place reading there, but uh, I, I enjoyed it, and I hope you well, did too. And it's good it too. info, really good writing. 
And, and it's a, I would say it's a wildly accurate representation of voices of the time. Totally. You know what I mean? That's how the town sounded. And uh, if you don't believe us, you can go back to the uh, late 1800s and check for yourself. Uh, <laughs> we, will, we will accept all apologies uh, in cash. So this wreckage, like there's a lovely thing there. They, they say airship. Right. They don't say UFO. They don't say flying disc because people aren't thinking in those terms at this point. Uh, but they do know. Like we do know some interesting things. First, there were multiple people who claimed to have seen this multiple members of the town, including the judge, including reporters, including members of the military. The debris that they saw looked like it was made of metal, but it was a metal that was unfamiliar to the townsfolk of Aurora. They said it looked kind of like silver, kind of like aluminum, maybe a blend of the two, but it was much, much heavier. And they also found what they described as paper-like artifacts with hieroglyphic-like writing on them. And there weren't, you know, it's 1897. They don't have dumpsters. They don't have a, a big recycling center. So they just eventually get rid of the wreckage the way they would throw away anything else. They put it in the well. And <laughs> fast forward, oh, decades later, this guy named Brawley Oates takes over the land where the well is located. And he says, okay, I'm going to clean the debris out again, not because I'm solving a big mystery, but because I want to be able to use the well water. Uh, and when he was doing this, it took a long time. If you've ever cleared out a well, it's a, it's a real pain. So he spent hours and hours and hours cleaning out this well that was just full of gunk. And then later, he developed a pretty serious case of arthritis. His hands were knotted and twisted. You know what I mean? It was the kind of thing where he would know what the weather was going to be like in advance. Sure. And uh, he went to his grave believing that the water in the well was contaminated by wreckage from the stars and that that's what gave him arthritis. So even though he had dug out the well pretty pretty well, he dug out the well pretty well, even though he did all that, <laughs> he later went back and he covered the well up. He filled it with concrete and he built a shed on top of it because he didn't want anybody else to have this experience. That's important because it shows us the people in the town after the 1890s, they still believed that there was something extraordinary about this wreckage. And according to the story, you know, the folks in Aurora weren't quite sure what to do. So they did what I kind of hinted at the top of the show. What would have been natural for them to have done, which is to take the alien and bury it uh, and give it a proper Christian send off at the local cemetery. There are historical records um, connected to the Aurora Cemetery that even contain information about this funeral having taken place. And rather than, you know, give it a, a proper headstone that was like, you know, chiseled and all that. Granted, they used a uh, just a stone to mark the site. So pretty interesting. In 1973, Mary Evans, who actually lived in Aurora during this time, um, she spoke with a reporter and kind of did her best to, to remember what it was like. And she talked about it in terms of the, about the excitement that it caused, but also the fear that was kind of spreading through the community because folks didn't really know what to make of it or what the intentions were. Um, this was before, you know, she points out there were any uh, airplanes even in the area, you know, I mean, there, there were, well, you say, you said, 
then Kitty Hawk was a couple of years later, correct? Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that would have been the first manned, you know, uh, flight. So this was some technology that maybe there were rumblings of, you know, but there, this was not something that people had seen. So folks were very perplexed when they, when they saw something like this, because it wouldn't have been like today where you could easily mistake, you know, a distant plane or an airship or a drone or something like that for a, a UAP, which is the, uh, the proper term for, for UFO mm-hmm. these days. Uh, what is it? Unidentified aerial phenomenon. Nailed it. Yeah, that's, and that's such a good observation. So these folks would have known if something was a bird, for instance. Uh, those would have been the flying things that they were familiar with. This is definitely not a bird. Uh, they weren't aware of planes because planes weren't a thing. So they, they were at a loss. And again, multiple people saw this. It wasn't just one isolated witness. So this person you mentioned, Mary Evans, her parents didn't let her go to the crash site, but they did tell her that the townsfolk had found some kind of humanoid or alien pilot, and they had buried it. And one physics professor in the same story said that they would found iron near this alleged crash site, and the iron did not have the usual magnetic properties of that metal. But if you go forward and you dig a little deeper, you'll see that in 1979, in an article uh, for Time magazine, at least one resident, Etta Pugues, who was 86 at the time, said the whole thing was a hoax. She said that a journalist we just mentioned a couple times here, Hayden, made it up as a joke to bring some interest and hopefully maybe some tourism dollars to Aurora. And then there's another story, which to me is even even more plausible because it's so silly, you guys. Some townsfolk later would say the whole story of an alien was made up by two notorious drunks who accidentally set a fire at the windmill and then wanted to cover up their tracks. And so they made the most uh, ironclad, waterproof alibi (laughs) ever. Aliens are real and they landed on, on the windmill. Sorry, Judge. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, aliens did it. So, yeah, then um, the grave site that we talked about the that was marked uh, with a rock, it became kind of an attraction. Um, like you said, Ben, there was almost this, like, tourist draw for this thing. But even locally, it became a spot of, of significant interest. Uh, children would come by and take a look and talk about what might be buried there. Uh, in the early 70s, someone went and took a metal detector to the grave, and the readings indicated that um, there were three giant pieces of metal buried along with the pilot. And then, of course, you know, as sites like this tend to be subject to, there were, you know, people stealing the gravestone and then it would, you know, come back, it would, it would show back up and things like that. Someone eventually discovered a giant metal pipe sticking out of the ground at the gravesite and it was removed and the site was once again uh, gone over with a metal detector. And this time there were no uh, readings for metal. Mm-hmm. So it appears that whatever was once in there was no longer there. Uh, it had either been taken by a single person or a group, but for what purpose? I ask you. Right. Yeah. If you are a believer in government cover-ups of UFOs, then maybe maybe some military members went and robbed the grave to keep it secret. But what again, what would their motivation be? 
This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah. Um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonnevilles. right? Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was, a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is why the Aurora incident remains so fascinating to enthusiasts of UFO history. But we do have to say there are a couple of other, there, there's another explanation we should mention. An author named Michael Busby researched this pretty in depth, and he had a theory 
that might be new to a lot of us in the crowd today. He says, yes, it is true that the Wright brothers hadn't made their first flight when the Aurora incident occurred in April of 1897, but he believes there is evidence of a secret cabal of aircraft builders called the Sonora Aero Club, A-E-R-O, and that this club was experimenting with flying machines in California around the time of the crash. So in Busby's mind, it's possible that whatever crashed in Aurora was an experimental craft by this secret club and that the pilot was a badly mangled, all-too-human victim of the crash. If you want to read more about this, there's a great article by Rebecca J. Rosen called uh, The Airship Club That Might Never Have Existed. Uh, And it's uh, on the Atlantic. It's free to read online now. You know what? It's almost its own episode. It's, It's so weird because the only reason we know about some of this stuff is due to a house fire in Houston in the 1960s. Someone found 12 scrapbooks that appear to tell the story of a secret group of airplane builders. How wild is that? I had never heard of that one. So that one doesn't have aliens in there, but it does have uh, a heck of a conspiracy. If it's true, we're calling the National Treasure people. We're getting Nicky Cage on the line. We're going to see if he wants to make a movie. What do you say? I love it. Yeah, <laughs> you, you had me at National Treasure and, and Nicky Cage. Yeah, we can call him. He truly is. No, no irony here. Uh, He's one of my favorite uh, living actors. I think when he's used correctly, he's like a cruise missile. He is laser focused and he gets the job done. I think Pig was one of the best movies of 2021. No question. Yeah. I, you know, actually I meant to, this is unrelated to anything, but I meant to tell you guys, I know we're, um, well, I know about you, Max, but Noel and I are both big, big Nick Cage fans and big, big fans of some of the more experimental stuff he's done recently, like Mandy, which is awesome, and uh, Color Out of Space. Mm-hmm. I just I just saw this really weird adult animated fantasy epic called like In the Spine of Night or something. It's got that Bakshi type rotoscope animation. Sure. And I want cool. I, I almost texted you guys. Because it's it's worth watching. It's got a killer cast. Pat Oswalt's in it. Uh, a bunch of other famous people. What what's her name? Is it um oh uh, Zena Lawless? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Lucy Lawless is in it. Uh, it it's free. If uh, I think it's free if you have Amazon. But they don't sponsor the show. It's just we're always we're we're nerds. We're always sharing cool stuff to watch. Uh, you should hear us talk about Moon Knight off air. Uh, so. <laughs> So anyway, Nick Cage aside, he'd be perfect for this if it were a film. I love that you brought up the grave and the the grave appeared to either have been robbed or to not have anything in it because so many of the questions about what actually crashed there could be cleared up easily by exhuming the grave. It to this day has not been permitted. The Aurora Cemetery Association has stonewalled every single attempt to exhume the grave, full stop. And the well has been tested in modern times, but the only the only weird thing that the well shows is a high level of aluminum, which means if you're a researcher and you're operating within the bounds of the law, all you can do is count on eyewitness testimonies from contemporary newspapers, and those are notoriously unreliable. No one has found any any physical proof at this time 
it may just be nothing more than a bit of modern American folklore. But we have to go back to S.E. Hayden. What did he, I mean, if he made it up, why did he make it up? Pretty risky, huh? Yeah. Like, you know, to be a shrewd, kind of even-handed journalist of some note to start spreading a story like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's strange because one of the stories that we found, or one of the proposed explanations we found in DallasNews.com, uh, called Fake News from Wise County Brought UFO Believers to Aurora. Eventually, this was by Jen Groffender. And Groffender argues that Hayden's made-up tale was concocted as a last resort to help revive the town because it had fallen victim to an outbreak of spotted fever. And people were dying of this, but also everybody who was healthy who could afford to leave was leaving. So the town was beset by a plague, almost, and people were terrified to go into town and do business. We know it's true that Hayden lost his wife and two of his own children to the outbreak. Uh, One of his other kids actually lost their eyesight. So the idea here is that he made this up as a way of saving the town, or maybe even, you know, if we're being cynical, getting something about the town in the news that wasn't spotted fever. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the kind of, that's not as much of a tourist draw as alien grave, is it? <laughs> right. And no, what is spotted fever? I think it is. It something like, uh, like the pox, you know, it's, it's a, I bet it's got to have to do with pox or, or boobles, pustules, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, spotted fever is from ticks. No way. It's Ooh. a bacterial infection that ticks, uh, ticks like latch onto you. And if they stay there for too long, like a couple hours, then boom, you got spotted fever. Max with the facts. Cue the theme song. Who's that creeping out of your phone? It's Max. And he dropped the knowledge just for you. So good. There he goes. Max gave you his facts. I love it. Ugh, right now, just for you. Time. Yeah. Matt Fresh. It would have been it would have been funny if we could have have, have had Matt on this episode and play his theme we did song ask back. him to join. He was unfortunately booked up at this time, but uh, we'll have him back again soon. But yeah, or he's part we, of we the could, cover. We, up. we could have a live rendition. That'd be crazy. Yes. I wish Matt was here. Wow, Make sorry to disappoint so you, Matt. Matt Jeez, Jeez. Jeez. So you know Matt's my favorite. Yeah, he's everyone's we favorite do now. Oh man. All right, I'm rethinking my favorite. Can you blame style. him? I mean, Matt's basically God's gift. I mean, guys, like Matt's basically my work older brother. All Is right, really? Yeah. Wow. Ben feels ways about this. <laughs> well, you can, you can, uh, you can hear what. Wait, no, all wait. The hype wouldn't Alex about. be your work older brother? Like, no, literally? no, Alex is my actual older brother. Yeah, is that mutually exclusive? I don't think they. I don't think it is. It's it's hard to explain, guys. All right. Well, okay. You guys it's, have a it's, very, it's, very, very, uh, very yeah. intimate bond. Understood. It, it's an emotion past words for you, and we respect that. If you want to see what all the hype is about, uh, you want to hear our pal Matt Frederick live and direct or recorded and direct, uh, check out Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, where he is uh, the third amigo of our show. And then also check out 
Video Games Part 2 of Ephemeral, uh, wherein Max and Matt make a uh, have an epic interview. I say it's epic. I can't wait to listen. I'm falling behind. Max and Matt, a friendship, a podcast friendship for the ages. Check it out. So this kind of takes an interesting turn. Um, Years later, uh, around 2018, a lawyer from Dallas uh, offers a reward for the return of that grave marker that had been stolen from the uh, the area where the the alien, which, by the way, uh, was affectionately known by the locals as Ned, um, Mm -hmm. was buried. Yeah, yeah, he... Wanted to get to the bottom of this. We know the grave marker was stolen sometime in 1972. Coincidentally, around the same time, MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, published uh, an investigation into the incident. And then there was that other replacement marker that was put down. That was stolen in 2012. Uh, You can find descriptions of the marker, but currently, as we record today, is where the story ends. The town has a standing call for the return of either of those markers. And if you return it, if you have it and you're listening now, fellow ridiculous historians, you will not have any criminal charges brought to you. They just want it back because it's, for better or worse, a piece of the town's history. I love UFO stories. This is, as you said, this is where the story stands now, but we want to hear weird UFO tales from your neck of the global woods. You can find us on Facebook where we are ridiculous historians. You can find us on the internet, not just as a show, but as individuals. We get into all kinds of hijinks. That's right. You can find me on Instagram exclusively where I'm at how now Noel Brown. Ben Bolin, I believe you can be found in a couple of locations. That's true. Like the uh, Catholic saints of old, I have mastered the art of bilocation on social media, at least. You can find me on Instagram where I'm at Ben Bullen, B-O-W-L-I-N. Get a sneak peek of some weird things I'm up to. Uh, You never know what you'll find. And you can also find me on Twitter where I'm at Ben Bullen, HSW, mostly getting clowned by uh, Max Williams, who used to be my favorite, but that has changed. Max, what's your Twitter handle? Yeah, I know I'm still your favorite, so you don't even have to pretend. Uh, Yes, you can find me on Twitter and Twitter alone at ATL underscore Max Williams. And as Ben said, yeah, a lot of trolling him, but other fun stuff like me getting way too passionate about the, you know, Atlanta sports scene and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about that new season of Picard? Huh? I heard that uh, Jordy LaForge is making a triumphant return. What? Oh, I wasn't going to say, I haven't sent Ben the trailer or anything because I didn't want to spoil any of it. Oh, wow. But yes, but yes, LeVar Burton is going to be in it, and some other people as well. Since he won't be hosting Jeopardy, I guess he needs something to do. <laughs> there we go. Ah, well, thank you so much, as always, for tuning in, folks. Big, 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 big thanks to our own crash landing alien, Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister. You know him. You know him. Uh, big thanks to Alex Williams, who composed this track. Max, big thanks to you, of course. Big thanks to uh, Casey Pegram with us in spirit. And and Noel, I wonder if, okay, so earlier we established we're going to go do our, try to do a live show in Iceland, our first, first post-COVID live show. Totally. Think we can get a, Aurora in the budget? Let's make the weirdest, most inconvenient tour. <laughs> Iceland, sounds like the plan, man. Aurora, Texas. I'm all about inconveniencing the public. <laughs> we'll see you next time, folks.
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.